Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 234 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is August 20th, 2012, and we are just two short weeks away from the start of USC football season. We've got a great show for you this week on the podcast. We've got Dan Weber coming up later and Coach Harvey Hyde in the first segment. Both were at the Coliseum on Sunday for USC's second inter-squad scrimmage in the Coliseum. We're going to talk all about that, what we saw, what looked good, what didn't look so good, and we're going to answer your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Any questions you have, send them to podcast at uscfootball.com or you can call 206-888-6755. Leave a voicemail there or go to peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page and leave a voicemail right from your computer. Well, we do have Coach Harvey Hyde here in the very first segment. Coach, what's up, sir? How you doing? Ryan, how you doing, buddy? It was an enjoyable afternoon as far as sitting and watching uh, the scrimmage. It was a little cooler than last week. We had a little breeze, but it was still warm. Uh, but we had a chance to take a look at the Trojans in their second uh, full scrimmage at the Coliseum. It was a lot of fun. We want to get your thoughts on all that. But before we do, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. If you need tickets for anything, and of course the USC football season is coming up, you can go to sctickets.com. Or give them a call, 1-800-888-7287. If you need tickets for any kind of USC sporting event or any sporting event, or even concerts, theater, things like that, you can go to sctickets.com, and they will help you out. And Coach wanted to, uh, I guess, first of all, you got to see the overall it looked like the offense didn't do so well uh, in the scrimmage. It was more of a, a defensive-dominated day. I wanted to get your initial thoughts on what you saw over there in the Coliseum yesterday. Well, I'll tell you, I don't, I don't know where to start, but I'll, I'll start by saying, first of all, when you're voted by AP the number one team in the country, you've got to act like the number one team in the country and play like it, scrimmage like it, warm up like it. Every single thing you do, tuck your jerseys in like it, because every little thing can add up. It's a little thing can add up to a big thing. And uh, you've got a lot of pressure on you, but that's why you go to USC to play for a national championship, to play in the Rose Bowl game. That, there's a few schools in the country that you select because of their tradition and you have an opportunity to be one of the best football teams in the country. Now, the last two scrimmages I've seen offensively, this is my opinion on what I expect with the type of skilled players and that USC has and a returning offensive line and tight ends and except for one tackle, which uh, Walker now and – uh, uh, Truex been playing at uh, is a is a new position for someone has to do what someone has to learn. But you've got four of the five back. You've got experience. It's a young team as far as research receivers are concerned, but they've got a lot of experience. They've broken records. They run routes. They they have a great uh, passing offense. But nothing really has been in rhythm. And uh, what I mean by rhythm, you can give too much at one time. And right now, when I watched them yesterday, I saw kids trying to grasp a lot at one time. Now, I didn't see a, uh, 
24-second clock up there uh, running. I looked for it everywhere. I couldn't see it. But if that rule would have been enforced, they'd have had 25 delay game penalties. Yet this is why you have these scrimmages, to eliminate these type of mistakes. Substitution on almost every single play regarding positions, receivers, formations, uh, a lot of uh, different stuff. Uh, I mean, not uh, a series, not a, uh, a plan as far as what you're trying to accomplish. To me, it was give them everything so it's on film, and maybe this is what their purpose is and what they're trying to accomplish. Run every single play in our playbook from every different formation, look at it, coach it up, show them what they did right, show them what they did wrong, and don't worry about it if you move the football or if you score or you run series that complement the running game and passing game, and if you attack the middle of the field or you hit your tight end on both corners and deep routes or drag routes or, or comeback routes, you love to run the fade, they run the fade the entire game, which is the streak. But, uh, you know, occasionally you've got to trick the defensive back who really ate up the receivers. Really, when you consider the secondary that USC has, they really are playing well against great receivers. I mean, to consider the turnovers, consider the interceptions that were thrown yesterday by the quarterbacks, not just because those are bad passes, it's because it's great coverage. And when you have great coverage, you can't be afraid as a quarterback that if the play is covered, to throw the ball away and uh, throw it out of bounds. Don't force it in between someone who's getting double covered. And that would happen without mentioning a lot of names on quarterbacks and so on because they all made mistakes, and that's what a scrimmage is for, for mistakes. Everybody didn't block well either. So those are some of the things when you get down on the goal line, you got to get the football in the goal line. They were down there a couple times in the, on the goal line, and they couldn't run it in and couldn't pass it in. So those are opportunities that you can't pass up when you're the number one team in the country. And in some instances, uh, they were running against a third unit. And that doesn't build much self-confidence as far as in a unit. So uh, as far as what SC will probably do now, and I'm looking forward to next, I think it's Sunday scrimmage in the Coliseum or what, how they decide to practice on what they emphasize, uh, before they go into game week. I know they've got to cut the packages down. They've got to now get into some type of series. They've got to decide what they're going to do, what is going to be their objectives, and uh, work on that. And uh, offensively, uh, I just didn't see the rhythm that should be there. I didn't see the performance out of some of these great players. Defensively, I was amazed at how hard and how they they were able to shut down USC's offense, uh, and even the second unit. And some players that were nothing against these players on the third unit, but I've never seen them scrimmage before. Yet they performed well against the first unit. So my hats are off uh, to the defensive side of the football. And offensively, I think they've got to cut back on what they're doing, improve on their execution, improve on their emotion and confidence, and if they're going to be a number one team in the country, you've got to practice like it, warm up like it, and play like it. Now, the, it was interesting. We listened to Lane Kiffin talk after the scrimmage. And the, what they ended up doing, it was kind of a weird format. And I, we talked to some of the players, and they felt that it was a little strange. It might have screw up, screwed up their rhythm a little bit. But they wanted to do live tackling. 
So what they did was they sat a lot of the starters in the first half and did live tackling. And then they did what they call thuds in the second half, and they brought a lot of the starters back in. So you saw Robert Woods and Marquis Lee and Curtis McNeil and all the, you know, most of those guys came back in, Nick L. Roby and um, TJ McDonald. They weren't in there for the first half either. They were over on the bikes kind of warming up. So you had a lot of the key star players warming up on the bikes for the first half once they were doing all the, the live tackling drills. And then you come in in the second half and they kind of have to start again. And it was a little weird. You know, Marquis Lee said it was strange. What did you think about that format? Lane Kiffin didn't want to do live tackling in the second half. He thought that would be hard to go from one to the other. So it was kind of a weird position. How do you think that all went down? And do you think it kind of screwed up the players a little bit? Well, you know, the way you become a football team is you learn each other. You play with each other. You uh, cover for each other. I've got your back. Don't worry. Go for it. Uh, the timing of routes are very important. Now, Matt Barkley went the whole way. And, uh, and uh, you know, and, and, and they rotated those quarterbacks around where I think everyone got equal turns. If you look at the 83 plays that were run, I'm not sure what the equal turns were. But it wasn't like a dominated first unit quarterback situation. I think the other guys, Wittick and Kessler, got a lot of turns too. But I tell you, the way you improve offensively is you have all your guys that are going to play together playing together. You, you can't have a guy throwing to people that he's not going to see on game day. You've got to be able to anticipate a person's move, anticipate by looking at him, he can read your eyes on what you're telling him. And, 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 and the timing is so important on offensively, on the offensive side of the football. So, you know, don't get me wrong, uh, that isn't the way I would have done it, but that's the way he did it. <clears throat> if you're going to scrimmage, you're going to scrimmage. If you're going to go thud, you're going to go thud. If you don't want your number one guys to get hit, that's fine. And the way the defense gets better, they got to tackle. So if they got to tackle, they go against the twos and threes, but at least they get to tackle. And the offensive guys have got to be a number one unit, and they've got to work on timing. Offense is timing and rhythm. Defense is you can make a mistake, but if you make a play, it's a great play. Stop, make the tackle, get a turnover, do what you got to do. And uh, that's just my philosophy. It's a different type of personality on defense, and on offense is a team effort. On defense, it's a team effort, but yet it's an individual effort. Okay, well, we had a couple of questions to get to, and we can keep talking about the scrimmage as well. Um, you've seen the, you know, you've seen a couple of scrimmages so far. How do you think they will know? How do you think this year's team compares to how the USC team was at the end of last season? A good question. Except you don't expect your team to be as good right now as it was at the end of last season. At the end of last season, that team had played you know, five, six, seven, eight games, and they were getting better during the season and, and getting an identity and finding out who they were and starting to explore the rather great athletes they had. They discovered Marcus Lee. They discovered Grumble. They discovered uh, Telfer uh, uh, and all the running backs, and they decided to run the football. So it was a different football team. And then they also made some uh, changes as far as on defense, uh, personnel changes, and they ran better on defense, and, and, and they were a different football team. Special teams were excellent. They didn't go for a lot of two-point plays that they had earlier in the year. Uh, they played percentages on special teams, which is absolutely fantastic as far as Negretti and 
what John Baxter has done. They blocked field goals. They blocked punts. They ran uh, fake punts. Uh, I mean, it was was a a damn good football team at the end of the year. They were as good as anybody in the country. I expect that. You expect that to sort of pick up from where they were, but they have so many returning players, plus an additional bunch of players that have come in that are pretty good athletes. Now, they've lost Perry on defense. They've lost some outstanding players on on defense and so on, and Khalil on offense, which, you know, you're going to do that. But you've got to be able to have enough great athletes, which they do, to replace them. And other people cover their back or help them as far as during the period of time that they're getting ready to play. Right now, they're not the same football team they were at the end of the season. No, they're not. Uh, But uh, everyone hopes they can be. And I said this Saturday on a radio show I did. I said that they've got to start the season playing like they end the season. They've been voted the number one team in the country, and people remember them at the end of the season. They didn't see them in a bowl game. They remember their performances against UCLA 50 to nothing. They remember those things in their mind. The preseason publication, the writers all write on what they remember. They don't get out here and they don't. If you listen to a lot of the shows that uh, people are when they're broadcasting, they talk about not individuals. They haven't been at practice. They just remember last year. Well, right, right now they're not last year's team. They're not close to being what last year's team was and how they were performing at the end of the year. But they've got to pick it up. They've got to get better. And like I've said on all of our shows, against the University of Hawaii, you've got to be ready to play and you've got to get ready to be better. Not just go in and set records, like throw five touchdown passes to Robert Woods or whatever and get a lot of stats. You've got to work as far as becoming a better football team so that when you play some of these opponents, I mean, when you talk about your league schedule and your road schedule, I mean, at Stanford, at Washington, at Utah, I mean, these are tough, tough games. So you've got to become a better football team, and Stanford's the third game of the year. So you better get ready at Stanford early in your first two games. So, yeah, they've got to make some real drastic improvements uh, to even be close to what they were at the end of the year. Okay. Um, we got another question here. The biggest question mark for this team is the defensive line. Do you think it's a situation uh, – do you think the situation along the defensive line makes the Hawaii game feel even closer than expected as far as the what the score is going to be, or do you think it's hard to imagine Hawaii's offensive line giving them much difficulty? Well, you know, we have to look at this. I couldn't care what the score is going to be. Uh, I think uh, the main thing as a football coach, I want to see us get better as a football team. I mean, yes, you want to win and you want to demonstrate you're a great football team, but you've got to get better positions. Hawaii obviously is not going to be anywhere <laughs> towards the type of football teams. They've got Norm Chow, but Norm Chow's not playing. Norm, uh, Hawaii's been you know, picked, I think, in the Mountain West Conference as a seventh or eighth place team in that conference. And that, not that it's a bad conference. But there's a change going on in Hawaii. New offense, new defense, new coaching staff, the whole thing. So Hawaii should not give USC a real challenge, but USC can utilize this as a way as far as getting better. Do I worry about the USC's defensive line against Hawaii? If I do, if I worry about the defensive line against Hawaii, I don't know what I'm going to worry about when they play Oregon and some of these other people. I don't know what term I can use. So thank goodness for Leonard Williams. I've loved him since I saw him as a high school player. 
He's come in and he has come through. He really will be. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts uh, as far as with Uko in the middle. Now, who will be the backups in that area? That's a real question mark. You've got Woods and who else? So that's that's a diff, that's a question mark. Defensive end wise, Townsend didn't scrimmage yesterday. I don't have any idea why. So and and Horton, I, I don't know if Horton went yesterday. Did he, Ryan? No, he did not. He did not either. So it's hard to. And when you don't have these guys scrimmaging, uh, just imagine uh, still the defense dominating. So this is why I have such a concern as far as with the offensive side of the football. The secondary, hey, I'm telling you, they're fantastic. Scott Starr has really improved himself as a football player. He, he, there's no, there, well, I can't say there's no drop-off, but Dawson didn't go. But I tell you, Ruffin runs around the football field. Scott runs around the football field. Tony Burnett, he was all over the football field. And this is without Bailey. Think of Bailey's playing, Dawson's playing, some of these other, Townsend's playing, Horton's playing. I mean, hey, that, that's quite a, a a missing side of the defensive football team. And uh, these are the type of players that they're going to face when they play against Oregon, they play against Stanford, they play against Washington. And these teams, too, are going to be very motivated, motivated players against USC. So the thing you've got to do is eliminate the doubt of your opponent that they can beat you. And you've got to hammer them. You can't play close games. You've got to be a number one team in the nation. If you give someone the feeling that a coach can go and turn on a field, a film, as they're getting ready to play and say, see, we can beat these guys. Look at this team almost beat them. You want the coach to turn on the film and say, Christ, excuse my language, eliminate that out of the thing if you can't say, we can't <laughs> play these guys. We can't play with these guys. Because they've got so much team speed, they're so physical, that, man, let's just try to get through this game and move on. Let's just don't get humiliated. And I'll tell you, that's what a number one team in the country does. They don't even, they just don't beat you score-wise. They hurt you. And they don't try to hurt you on purpose. They hurt you because they line up and they love the game of football. And they like to move the football. And they hate it when they get pulled out of the game. And they can't wait to get back in the game. And they can't wait to play this great game so you know i'm looking for that to happen and i hope that comes about and anybody who played football that's listening to this podcast knows exactly what i'm talking about when you watch your opponent and you prepared yourself mentally for a football game you would know wow look at the speed on that team or wow or i'd look at that team and say hey you know what i can block that guy or we can beat this guy all right uh let's move on to heather's question she wants to know any players that might surprise fans this year? Max Turk out of Santa Margarita possibly getting the nod at left tackle would certainly be impressive. You know, I watched him a lot yesterday. He played a lot at left tackle, and I thought he did a good job for freshmen. Playing the left tackle position is a very difficult position to play. And I thought as a freshman in a second scrimmage, he did a good job. He really did. I thought Walker did a pretty good job, too. Uh, in pass blocking and also run blocking. Turkey is a little bit behind in pass blocking. Uh, I think they're going to be a great combination over there. They really are. Now, uh, Kevin Graff didn't go yesterday, did he? Uh, no, he was out. He was out, too. Now, what's wrong with him? The, they're not disclosing. <laughs> he was, uh, you know, he's he's one of those guys where, like, they just, he looked like he's okay, but... Um... They're, they're not talking about what his injury is, so we don't really okay. know what's going on with him. 
okay, well, that didn't help the offense whatsoever with him not going either because him and Martinez worked so well together. But, uh, you know, when you don't have those type of players playing, it, it hurts you. and hurts your timing. And when you take other players out and they're not there too, the quarterbacks have a more difficult situa- situation of, of make, having being successful and the running back the same. But uh, uh, I don't even know what the question was now. <laughs> oh, the, uh, some of the guys that impressed you, maybe people that kind of off the radar people, Heather wanted to know. Oh, that okay. Coming. Okay. Well, Heather, I'll tell you, uh, I like the attitude of Holmes, Cleo Holmes at center. i tell you, what a captain. I mean, he was out in the middle of warm-ups, and he was giving them a little bit of a talk and a pep talk. I like leadership. I like people when they run from drill to drill. When they whistle blue and they call the horn blue and they call him up for getting ready for uh, the scrimmage and so on, he ran up to the scrimmage. Other guys, you know, sort of jog up to the scrimmage. He demonstrates his enthusiasm for the game of football. I like to see that. I don't like to see guys cut the drill short. Even in warm-ups, when they warm up, I don't like to see guys cut it at 8 or cut it at 7 when they're supposed to go 10. I like to see backs, when they run the ball, go down the field, run the ball 20 yards, 30 yards, then come back. Uh, I like to see that, not run 15 yards, turn around, and can't wait to get back to the huddle. Uh, I, I like to see that type of enthusiasm. I mean, you see that type of enthusiasm from McDonald and, and some of these players out there. I'm not going to just single out all of them. But I like that, and that's what I like to see out there. And other new players, I like roughing out there, making plays, running around. He, he, he runs so well. And first thing I did when I saw him, I didn't know what his number was a couple of weeks ago, and I said, who in the heck is 40? He looks good in a football uniform. I tell you, you know, some kids look good in a football uniform, and some kids don't look good in a football uniform. He looks good in a football uniform. I think he's going to play – but I, what, what can I tell you about Nelson Aguilar? I mean, hey, he for a kid that has asthma, he's playing almost every play. I think he's great. I think he's going to be a great player. He has really impressed me. And Red has really impressed me. Silas Red has really impressed me. Good kid, no excuses, does a great job with all of this offense that they've thrown on him, and uh, he's darn good back. And I want to give him credit because I wasn't sure just how good he was when I watched him at Penn State. And I think, and I've said this on this podcast, he's better than I thought he was. He's better than I thought he was. So he was a not good move as far as coming. And D.J. Morgan, if you give D.J. Morgan a crease, you saw that one run he ran for a touchdown. Hey, when he's in the open and he breaks it, it's all over with. He's a home run guy. He's the guy I like to run, like to see run the football. Because if you miss a tackle, Say goodbye to it. Just get look up the press box because the guy's going to put some scores on up there on the scoreboard. And uh, I thought he he's going to be a, a great uh, have a great year too. I was a little disappointed yesterday in the tight end play. Really was uh, dropped a lot of balls. Uh, didn't block that well as far as when I was watching them. They might have blocked great when I wasn't watching them. Uh, so you know, overall wise, it was uh, a lot of offense. And uh, it's hard to follow it all because there wasn't much uh, consistency or not much rhythm in their offense. And as you mentioned earlier, guys missing and guys riding their bike. And See, I'm not into that stuff, okay, riding your bike and stuff during practice. I'm in for those guys standing with their coaches, knowing what the play is being called, watching their teammates play, knowing what the coverage is, knowing what the play is, so that they can assist 
their teammates when they come off if they made a, a mistake or something. So that's a different philosophy, and I'm not one to judge that. I mean, they're number one. They're the number one team in the country, so they've done things right. And I uh, and I and I'm just telling you what I saw out there. That's all I'm saying. Okay, and then uh, one last thing wanted to get to uh, TG in Virginia from the USC class of 1987 wanted to mention this. He said, last week's podcast, a listener asked about Stefan Johnson. Well, it's a small world. As uh, as it so happens, a few months ago, I ran into him at my local gym in Springfield, Virginia. He was with the Redskins practice squad. He looks to be in fantastic shape, particularly for someone who is lucky to be alive. I would love to see him make it in the NFL. So TG just wanted to share what his knowledge about what was going on with uh, Stefan Johnson that we talked about last week. Well, we appreciate you sharing that with all of us too, including myself and Ryan. So thank you very much, uh, very much for checking in. And if you have additional information on there, out there on anything, please uh, be a part of our team and join us in the huddle here. And we love to listen to you as much as you might love to listen to us. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I think they love it, Coach. Come on. We hope they do. We got a lot of comments on it. Um, before we go, Coach, I just want to see if you had any more thoughts on what you saw in the scrimmage and then what you expect to see over the next couple of weeks before uh, USC starts their season against Hawaii. Well, I think you're going to start to see units start to form. You're going to have a number one unit, a number two unit. You're going to have to decide here who your backup quarterback is. You're going to have to announce that soon so that guy starts to take reps with the number one unit because – uh, if something was to happen to Matt, you've got to have your offensive football team know who's coming in, and uh, they have to have confidence in him in advance because they know him, they've seen what he's done in practice, and they feel like, hey, this isn't going to stop us. So I think you've got to name who your backup quarterback is. It's a tough thing to do because both kids have really played consistently, and they're both good kids, but you've got to have an order. You've got to have a depth chart. You've got to believe in that depth chart. That kid's got to have more reps than the other kid. Uh, I expect to see uh, things now uh, close down as far as the number of plays that are being run and seeing series develop off of the running series. I'd like to see a, some type of running game in the middle of their offense. Uh, you know, they just don't run up the middle. They just don't do that. Uh, uh, and I'd like to see somehow of zone blocking change to aggressive blocking down on the, on the goal line tough to zone block when people are down in a four-point stance submarining how do how do you cut them off it's very difficult to cut them off in the old days we used to call it wedge blocking we used to call it all that we used to have almost like rugby man you got to get off the ball and own the line of scrimmage if you're going to run the ball down there you got to believe it you got to get off the football and you got to kick out and leave guard through and do those type of things i'd like to see that develop a little bit more because i wasn't really uh, convinced yesterday that they could run the ball in at the inside, at the goal line, and they didn't. So uh, I think that uh, you've got to now bring in your complete passing game as far as taking advantage of your great receivers. You've got to now just come back with the comeback and the curls of the open area and some crossing routes to deep post and some drag routes that come across and crossing routes when you play a lot of man defense coverages and when you play zones, you've got to slide to the open area. A lot of things like this where you really utilize the whole field and Barkley and the quarterbacks can read the field and find open receivers and not throw the football into coverages. Not throw the football where two guys are on one guy's throw the ball away. 
because you've got to be very careful. You can't allow your passes to be tipped or blocked. Yesterday, one uh, Scott Starr uh, uh, intercepted, was tipped, uh, and you just can't have that happen. You've got to have throwing lanes, and you've got to be able to improve all that. And, and that's what I'm looking for. And same thing on defense. I'm looking for the rhythm to start there with who the units are, how the rotations are going to be, uh, and uh, who are going to be the guys that uh, get it done. Because I'll tell you, being ranked the number one team in the country is an honor. It's a great honor. And to be there at the beginning of the season is something that shows that the nation respects USC football and the job that those players and coaches have done there. And I think that now you represent a lot. You represent and you want to keep that ranking. So people say, would you like to be ranked number one coach at the beginning of the season? Absolutely. I'd like to be ranked at any part of the season or any part of the year. The main thing is performing to live up to what the nation thinks of you, and that's the challenge USC has. All right, Coach. Well, great stuff. We always love talking to you about USC football. And, of course, right after watching a game live in person, it's good to uh, our scribbage person just to get your thoughts on what went on there next week. We get to uh, preview the Hawaii game, which will be a lot of fun. So this is the final, like, I guess, you know, middle of fall camp. Players have moved back into their regular houses. They're out of the dorms. It's it's the countdown to the kickoff, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Coach, we look forward to talking to you in the near future all about it. Well, thank you very much, and I look forward to talking to you. And uh, I'll see you uh, next Sunday, and I'll be looking at all the things on the website. All right. Thanks, Coach, very much. We will talk to you again soon. And everyone else, hey, back in 30 seconds, talking with uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Weber. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. We are back here on the Peristyle Podcast. We got uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Weber joining the show. He was down at the Coliseum yesterday. It's kind of a perfect time to do a little Coliseum scrimmage recap. We get the, the Monday podcast right after the Sunday scrimmage in the Coliseum. Dan, welcome to the show. And I wanted to get your initial thoughts on what happened at that scrimmage. You know what? I think we for the first time... We- we saw a little bit of it in the goal line stand uh, last week when the, the defense really showed up and uh, and and pretty much shut down. Uh, obviously, an offense that you know everybody thinks has pretty much got all the all the pieces it needs to be as good an offense as we've seen in college football in a long time. And then uh, yesterday, obviously, I think Coach Kiffin didn't do any favors to the offense the way the scrimmage was set up. It was set up to look at the new guys and the uh, people upper class and maybe who haven't had a chance uh, and, and things like So they, they set it up in a way that they needed to look at people. They didn't really have the kind of game plan in where you would have sort of a consistent and kind of a, an offense that was in, you know, in sync and all that. But the defense was ready to play. 
I mean, uh, and I think what you're seeing is the impact of, uh, of you know, Marvin Sanders in the secondary and Scotty Hazelden with the linebackers uh, combining with what we always knew about Coach Ed Orgeron that are giving uh, Monty Kiffin uh, some guys that he can really be confident in in terms of their overall effort and uh, execution. And uh, it was kind of amazing when you think of the guys who weren't there, the starters who weren't there, you know, both defensive ends. You've got two new defensive tackles. You have a freshman, Scott Starr, getting a chance to, you know, play in the middle. Deion Bailey wasn't there. Uh, just a lot of things that that you would have thought, well, you know, they may have to struggle a little bit or they're going to work their way into it. And that wasn't the case at all from the, from the first, uh, you know, tackle that knocked the ball loose on uh, Silas Red, and he's got a stinger and he's got a place on his shoulder that probably was the one place because we hadn't seen him even come close to coughing a football up. But he, he got hit from, you know, from the side by a freshman, Kevin Seymour, who just came in flying right through him and knocked the ball loose. And you started thinking about some of those old days when that wasn't that unusual when USC would have, uh, you know, turnover advantages, takeaway margins that were really, you know, important in his early Pete Carroll years. And, uh, and you're thinking, you know, are we seeing some of that again? I don't know, but it was pretty encouraging, I think, from that from that standpoint, I think it had the offense gone in there with a, a a real game plan and with the ability to have the first team on the field from the very, you know, get there and all that, it would have been a different story. I think they were a little out of sorts, and that was probably not the worst thing in the world for them to now think about what happens when we get into a game where we get a little frustrated, where things aren't going our way. How are we going to handle it? It's probably a good coaching situation. I'm not sure if uh, Lane in, intended it to be that, but I think it's a it's a good thing for the offense to be thinking about now as to how will we handle uh, uh, some adversity and some frustration. So I think you can make a case that's probably not a bad thing, and and without anybody you know coming out injured that we know of, probably uh, you know. About, about as much as you could hope for, because if you had to say who do you want to have come out of that game and that scrimmage really on the upbeat and looking good and looking like they've really picked things up, you'd really want the, want the defense to have been the one that, that did, and, and they did. Yeah, and if you look at, you know, you talk about the frustration on offense. I mean, Barkley threw uh, a little, like, dump off, I guess it was. It was a check down to Curtis McNeil, double-covered, Scott Starr made a great play on the ball. The the other pick, I think, was a, a tip by Anthony Brown that went the ball went straight up in the air, and George Uko jumped and basically fought off all the <laughs> defensive backs and got the interception there. And he threw one that Josh Shaw had in his arms. It looked like he cradled it in the end zone. Should have been a pick, and that was against, I believe, it was mostly the the scout team and some of the you know, some of the backups. Uh, it wasn't a great day for Matt Barkley. Is that something that USC fans should be concerned about? I don't think so. I, I, I think there was there was no continuity in the game plan whatsoever. And so I, I don't think I think uh, you know, we have seen that with Matt. I think that you know, when you when you when you're just out there and, and the term I always use uh for an offense that looked like that it, is it kinda of looked like grab bagging. You know, they were just going to a grab bag and pulling this play out and that play out and you know, a lot of plays 
I don't know. Have we seen a lot of those plays? Even, <clears throat> you know, I would be very surprised if many of those plays make the cut. Uh, you know, for any of the games this year. Uh, and again, the coaches they have their own agenda, and they want to see one particular person maybe on one particular play or whatever. But there there seems to be a disconnect between what's the USC offense going to be in 2012 and what the heck offense they were running Sunday. So, you know, there was such an in and out and who were, you know, who's the different personnel that were in there with Matt and uh, some of the plays, you know, they start off with three passes to George Farmer. They basically, that wasn't for Matt and that wasn't, you know, for probably anybody else on the offense except to get George Farmer, you know, into things and see what what can he do he's going to get some coverage he's going to get some you know physicality uh let's see him run the route let's see him if he can be in the right place and catch the ball and all that kind of thing so they had some specific things in mind i don't think any of them were let's see what matt can do or you know i, I maybe toward the end there when they decided uh, you know maybe we better score a touchdown here with the first unit uh they had some ideas but uh that was about as disjointed, disconnected uh, from anything we've seen offense uh, in a long time. So I think not. I think they had their own purpose in mind as to what they wanted to do, and now they've got two weeks to, as Silas Red said, you know, that's enough time. Uh, we'll get it ready for Hawaii. So I, I think they will, but uh, they didn't do the offense any favors uh, yesterday by the way they set the game up, uh, not at all. Okay, well, that was basically Greg from Woodland Hills' question. I asked that for you myself, Greg, so <laughs> um, okay. you had that one there. We got a, we do have a bunch of questions, too. We'll try to get to all of them, um, and we'll we'll share more insights on the scrimmage from you know through the questions. Uh, Terry had a question, Dan. Um, why does Lane Kiffin seem to be bent on uh, or set on having Josh Shaw play safety? From all I've heard, from you and others, the kid really can play cornerback just as well. With the depth at safety, it seems like he'd be a great fit to move him to cornerback with his great size and athletic ability. That's from Terry. I think he's thinking about next year for one thing. Uh, you know, with with the, the safe you know safety depth, it isn't going to be there next year necessarily. So uh, I think that's uh, that's a major concern. Uh, so. Uh, uh, and I do think early in the year they really wanted to look at these young freshmen. I mean, I think, you know, we've all been surprised at the the real freshmen coming in uh, at cornerback. Uh, and, and so, you know, again, the, the guy who started the play, uh, you know, last night was, a, you know, freshman Kevin Seymour. And uh, uh, I think they've just got some long-term thoughts in terms of, and this is the, the, the you know, the plan uh, Lane Kiffin plan, the personnel plan over the years that uh, that they they know things we don't know. We can only uh, and that's they're not talking about uh, the long range plans and the specifics in some of these. But uh, and I think that's probably part of it is uh, is the thought of uh, just because of Josh's size. You know, he's almost 200 pounds and six one and you know a combo kid that can play on all the special teams and all that. Uh, uh, I think, you know, Lane, when he looks at a, at a cornerback, I think he's more looking at that NFL model. 
And uh, I think he's looking at maybe a little leaner and, you know, just Josh doesn't exactly fit the classic cornerback model. And so uh, I think, you know, they've got a lot of bodies, uh, you know, in both places. So uh, I think we just got to let them, you know, make that call themselves. Specific. But I think Josh has looked, you know, very good at both positions and looks like he can play both positions. But uh, I think we're going to let that one play out, just see if, you know, there's something that 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 may be coming down the road that, that we haven't really seen or maybe we're not going to talk about yet because they are doing some interesting combinations of personnel uh, that we haven't really seen before and, and we certainly can't talk about. But, uh, right. <laughs> but uh, I would just say stay tuned. All answers aren't going to be on the table yet. Uh, there will be developments, I think, as the season goes on. It'll be kind of interesting to watch. And, and you know, one of those problems that we're like, you know, these are difficult, different kinds of issues we've had is to we've got so many guys at this position on defense, maybe we need to look at another position. That hasn't been the case, uh, you know, recently. So, uh it's probably a, a whole different mindset in terms of how we look at it. And, uh, and Lane isn't specifically going to tell us exactly where he sees everything playing out. Well, I mean, one of the ways I think last night we saw Gerald Bowman come into his own uh, as a safety. So, uh, you know, that gives him two guys, you know, new guys at safety that maybe they're thinking, man, that will be very comforting next year to have uh, two big, strong, and then veteran safety. So that's all, I, that's all we could tell you because uh, Josh Shaw's done everything, you know, that they could ask him to do. All right. Uh, let's move on to J.D. in D.C. He wanted to know about Jabari Ruffin. Said I hadn't hear, heard much about him, and there's some injuries at linebacker. He's one of those guys that looks good. First guy off the bus, kind of like a Leonard Williams. He does look good in a uniform, man. Uh, but last night, at least two plays, I know he had uh, uh, four tackles, and I know two of them I happened to be watching, and he just closed people down. I mean, he just came in and collapsed, uh, you know, from uh, from that outside linebacker. I, I know the one time we were wondering, did he line up a defensive end that, on that play? He was uh, the way he closed things down. He uh, – he did some impressive things. Uh, you know, I, I, we haven't gotten to see him as much. Uh, you know, we've gotten to see the early entry kids, and uh, there were others who maybe got got to more summer uh, work than, than Javari did. And Javari, had, I think, was, you know, more classroom stuff he was doing and all of that. So we, did, we didn't get to see him. But you're right, he looks good getting off the bus. He looks good in his uniform. And last night he looked pretty good on, uh, you know, on a, on a couple of plays. Certainly, uh, you know, playing the run, he just uh, uh, keep an eye on him. He may be, you know, I know they they have to want to, with this as be just being the first year of the 75 scholarship limitation, they would certainly like to back off as many uh, true freshmen as they could uh, and, and, and get an extra year out of them and uh, be able to, have that play out at the end of the, uh, you know, when the sanctions are up and, and when they need to really, uh, you know, replenish the roster right away. But but he probably is one of those kids that's on the on the cusp of, you know, could go either way where he could, uh, you know, make a place for himself where you pretty much decide, 
you know, he's got to he's got to play. It'll be interesting to see the injuries will will impact that as well. And there's a big learning curve. I mean, this you know, when you talk to the kids on defense, there's a lot of complexities involved in this defense. And uh, you know, that's one of the things I think that helped them last night is you realize these kids have been doing it, you know, more. And uh, Scotty Hazelton and uh, Marvin Sanders came in much on the same page as Monty, and so you know, more of a shutdown, you know, approach to things. But 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 a lot of the basics were there. So uh, you know, the kids who have been in the program are a lot closer, you know, to being able to you know execute. And the more they can execute, the safer the coaches feel with them. The more they let them do things that really confuse offenses, which I think they I think they actually were confusing. And it's kind of interesting, you know, that's not easy to confuse uh, guys that you're on the practice field with every day. But they had been disguising some things and, uh, and shared them last night. So whether a true freshman is going to be able to get up to speed in that or not, I don't know. Uh, that's the big advantage Scott Scar has. He was here all spring. In the spring, he didn't play that fast because he was thinking and thinking and thinking. If you can remember Lamar Dawson last year uh, for the first couple of months, spent a lot of time, uh, he had some in, an injury, but he also had to think first before he could play. Uh, you don't see that as much, uh, you know, with those guys that are in their second and third year. So, uh, true freshman linebacker, we'll see. All right. Uh, yeah, Scott Starr had two picks yesterday. <laughs> Scrimmage, not bad. Yep. Um, here's David. And he was in it, the right place at the right it he, just He looked really comfortable. I, I he was did. just... Uh, I'm impressed. Uh, he just looked like, you know, hey, I belong. And he reminded you of Cushing. You know, we all, we've always said physically he's, he's kind of a, a junior-sized, you know, uh, Brian Cushing in terms of, you know, maybe at least his weight and his thickness. But, uh, uh, he, you know, he was ready to play as a freshman by the end of his freshman year. And uh, Stars had a, uh, a whole, uh, you know, spring practice and a, a summer of being out there and talking to people every day and running around and working on coverage and things like that. And uh, I, I think last night, it, it, I think probably opinions about Scott Starr changed as much as about anyone. I don't know that the coaches, you know, as much as they were talking about, well, if we have to have a, a middle linebacker, maybe it has to be Hayes Pillard, uh, that he has to slide over there and we've got to make the sub on the outside. I'm not so sure they're thinking that way now because toward the end of the scrimmage, what you saw was Scott Starr in the middle, Hayes Pillard at his normal, you know, will outside linebacker position. So I have a feeling that may be one of the positions that uh, that they uh, really got some clarity about last night. Okay, uh, let's go to David and OC. He said, been reporting about Max Turek. He's a great guy, in parentheses, should have been a five-star, but he's getting uh, reps at the left tackle spot, first team. But Zach Banner was rated higher coming out of high school. Why aren't we hearing anything about him? Do you think Max is as good as any offensive lineman coming out in 2012? Yeah, I mean, I would take the, the high school rankings with a little bit of a grain of salt. I mean, what are they ranking, for example, are they ranking the top end of a kid athletically eventually? Are they ranking him, you know, what's his impact going to be immediately once he gets, you know, gets to college, you know? So you could take those rankings and, and, and look at them a lot of different ways. And, and you could say, you know, uh, if you looked at Max Turk and, and, and Zach Banner, you could say, 
you know, uh, it sure looks like Max is more ready to play right now. Uh, and then you could say, yeah, but Zach is, you know, six nine might be the absolute top end, the, the biggest you could possibly be to be a, an offensive lineman and, and have an impact in, in college football. The game's played on the ground. It is really hard, you know, you know, what helps you dunk a basketball doesn't necessarily help you block, you know, some guy who's, uh, you know, down on all fours. So uh, I think Zach clearly has uh, got a great athletic body, he's got good feet, uh, a real competitor, wants to be real good. Uh, but uh, there is a learning curve when you're, you know, when your body is that long and just in terms of getting your hips under you and getting those feet exactly right and, and getting your pad level to where it has to be and to do it against <clears throat> really good big-time college football players. So I think there's clearly uh, more of an adjustment period, uh, you know, maybe as big an adjustment period as anybody will ever have if you're a six foot nine, 330-pound uh, uh, freshman uh, true freshman coming out of high school. I mean, that's a, that's just asking a whole whole lot, no matter how good an athlete you are. So uh, I think actually Zach has fit in better and adjusted quicker than I thought he would uh, just because it is such an unbelievable difference to, you know, playing <coughs> high school football in suburban Seattle to playing for a team that people are picking number one in the country. All right. Uh, let's see. Excuse me. Are you okay there? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. <laughs> we don't want to. We don't want to like get you sick here on the podcast or anything like that. I don't want to. I don't want to sound like Kate Georgeon either. Man. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not sure anybody can sound like that. I should tell you what. There is. He's never been in better voice. I mean, his voice. You could hear it <clears throat> on the other side of the peristyle last night. I mean, he was fired up. Um, all right, let's move on to in a game like Hawaii, we have a question here. In a game like Hawaii, where the Trojans should win easily, what approach will the coaching staff take as it relates to the overall lack of depth and the injuries that have hit the Trojans in fall camp? Hmm. Well, <clears throat> I, my guess would be a the approach will be <clears throat> excuse me, we're not going to win this game easily or even think about winning the game easily. I don't even think you think, if you're a coach or a player, you really better not be thinking in terms of we're going to win this game easily. You think in terms of what am, what's the game plan, what are my responsibilities, how do I you know, execute as well as I can possibly execute, how do I prepare for this game, all of that kind of thing. Uh, you know, Fans can step outside of you know outside of that box and say, well, they should win easily. Blah, 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 blah. Honestly, there's nobody thinking that thought. They're really not thinking that thought. Now, in terms of personnel use for her, the Hawaii game, I mean, I think obviously they're going to try to uh, you know get as many people playing in that game as they possibly can, just because that's how you, that's what you do in the first game. Uh, you know, uh, how it's really important to have kids, you know, that, I mean, they talk a lot about, we've got a lot of kids that never played a down in college football. It'd be ideal if you can get those kids to play downs of college football, uh, in that first game and in that second game. I mean, the sooner the better. And, uh, 
you know, kids step up like like we saw last night. You know, maybe you're not exactly expecting, and then wow, okay, that, that's and they don't do that sometimes until you know they get a chance to, to get out there and make a play and show you what they can do. And and so, you know, I think you know they're definitely going to play as many kids. I don't think they're going to say, oh, we got to bring these guys in early. We don't want to get anybody hurt or that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, you know, it'll be a factor. I think it'll it'll be more a case of what do we need to get done with these players, uh, rather than oh we don't have enough depth. We better you know be careful. I, I, I mean I, they know that they understand all of that. They're practicing uh, you know every day with that in mind in terms of the way they uh, you know the way they uh, judiciously choose to tackle or not tackle and all that kind of thing. But uh, you know they're 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 not doing some of the things they did a couple of years ago, which is where, where that over, you know, that, that almost uh, uh, rules everything they're doing in terms of, well, we can't afford an injury. I think more than anything, they can't afford not to play well and not to be ready to uh, play full speed and, you know, play at the absolute, you know, best that they're capable of playing at. So that, I think those, those thoughts have to, you know, dominate more than, uh, uh, what about our depth situation? You know, I mean, they've got a lot of kids that can actually, uh, I think, contribute. They probably got, you know, in terms of overall squad numbers and all that, it might not be so great. But they may have more kids that eventually that they can put in a game who they really think can contribute than they've had in a long time and then than a lot of other people have. I mean, you know, there'll be people with a lot more players in uniform and scholarship, but uh, I'm not sure there's going to be a whole lot of teams with a lot more guys uh, with the ability that you know the USC you know USC kids have. So that's my take on on how you look at that. I, I think okay. the whole fear of depth uh, and injuries has to be pretty far down the the list of considerations when you get into a game. All right, uh, this is from JJB. A question on Soma Vanuku. Do they have plans on utilizing Vanuku with running plays from the fullback position? He's six foot, two hundred and fifty pounds, and runs a four four one forty. Was a running back in high school. Hard to believe they wouldn't take advantage of such a weapon. Also, he's a is he a good blocker from the fullback position? That's from JJB. Uh, I, uh, we you know we zeroed in on him a little bit last night. I know the first running play he you know for Silas Red he got a you know an absolutely great block. And I mean that was the you know the issue with with Soba was he was such a great running back in high school. He was running the ball you know thirty eight touchdowns and twenty two hundred and some yards his senior year. They were blocking for him, so he didn't get a, a great deal of chance you know to block uh, just because he was you know so talented uh, you know as a running back. You know, I think they will. I mean, one of the problems, and I think they'll, you know, pick their spots with him and all that, but one of the problems is if you run the fullback, you're taking out, uh, you know, he doesn't have a fullback blocking for him. So, uh, you know, there are some issues, but but obviously like last night, they hit him with that, uh, you know, 25-yard uh, pass down the sideline, and he does have the ability, you know, to use that 4-4 speed, uh, which surprises even himself how, how he can run, but he uh, he's really done some good things physically in terms of uh, you know he's he's kind of the same dimensions but he doesn't have the same look uh, he's uh, he's got much more of a cut you know look and all that he kind of needs to get moving though he's not for example uh, absolutely explosive on that first step second step but you get him turned up field 
and get him into his, uh, you know, really, you know, normal running, uh, you know, stance and, and where he can really take a, a stride and he can, he can fly. A, but again, he, he, you know, there might be other fullbacks that you could say, although there aren't a whole lot of fullbacks anywhere anymore that, that run the ball, but uh, that maybe more that first couple of steps where they've got that, you know, uh, instant power. Uh, that doesn't look like Soma. Soma more looks like uh, he may be about the third step is when he's going to really be able to, you know, kick it into gear. So how they make use of that, I think they will, but I think it'll be fairly, you know, judicious. They'll think about it. And, and they do have, you know, the, the basic one-two, um, Silas Red, Curtis McNeil, however you want to do that. And then they do have, uh, you know, DJ uh, Morgan, who showed again last night, you know, he. I mean, we see this in practice once a day or so where you see that we saw it in the spring game. You see that one play where all of a sudden, boom, there's a seam and bang, he's gone. And uh, so, you know, they, they've got a number of different guys they can hand the ball to. So uh, where some, uh, you know, is going to fit in. Uh, I know Lane was asked this week, you know, what about using him as a big, big uh, tailback running back, you know, occasionally, and he said, I don't think so, uh, which tells you they probably feel like they've got enough tailbacks, you know, to run the ball, and uh, and with enough uh, enough power, so uh, uh, we'll see how they are. I, knowing Lane, there will almost certainly be a wrinkle or two where he'll figure out uh, how to, you know, formation one way, and maybe suddenly get the ball going the other way. And hopefully, you know, gets a chance to outrun some, uh, you know, outside linebacker or somebody uh, where he gets one-on-one with them. But uh, uh, I wouldn't look, you know, I wouldn't look for them to, you know, make that a big, big part of the attack. All right. Uh, Martin in Ontario. I don't know how much we're going to actually be able to talk about this, Dan, but I'll read the question. He says, with USC having another defensive end injury issues with linebacker, do you think Lane would look at the possibility of using Josh Shaw or Gerald Bowman as another hybrid linebacker slash cornerback slash safety like what he did with Deion Bailey. I think uh, Shaw or Bowman are big enough to play linebacker and fast enough that they could play deep pass coverage. Lane could have one less linebacker on the field and still have a rotation. What do you think about that? Well, you know, I guess there's a possibility in the future. I'll tell you what, the one uh, name we haven't mentioned, and, and again, last night he keeps showing that, that he can certainly step in there for Deion Bailey is, is Tony Burnett. I mean, Tony Burnett really can run down ball carriers. I mean, he could, he knows that's his job now, and he can run to the running back. And if you're, run, if you're trying to run, you know, kind of that, uh, you know, that, that classic, uh, you know, inside, you know, off tackle inside, you know, sort of, you know, sweep, uh, that the teams like to run with the you know the zone blocking and all that. You better get everybody blocked because Tony Burnett's going to run you down, and he's going to be running faster probably than your tailback. Uh, he, uh, I think, is a real. I think they they really found the exact right spot for Tony. I mean, we used to see him do that on kickoffs where he just run people down. But you know, he will probably be playing. You know, maybe not a whole lot over 205 pounds. But he is, you know, you see him running down, you know, you realize, okay, that's how he runs down the uh, the takeoff and the triple jump. You know, he just runs people down. And uh, so uh, so that gives him another really true hybrid there. I think that was a really, really good move. Uh, and then, 
you make an interesting point with uh, with uh, Josh Shaw and uh, and uh, and Gerald Bowman, and who knows that may be in the back of somebody's mind, and that may be one of the thoughts. You know, if we're we're gonna you know uh, factor in the Josh Shaw, the cornerback, or not, that may be one of the thoughts about uh, preference of keeping him at safety because that safety. Uh, hybrid position is is a lot easier combination to make. So, uh, but uh, they do have people that will run down the run. Uh, I, I I think we're you know and I know Ryan last night talked to uh, uh, Georgico and and George you know how George has been saying this since before they started practice that he he thinks they can be better up front and better inside with the tackles, but now they've been you know actually practicing for a couple of weeks and he's still saying it. And last night didn't give you any sense that that wouldn't be true, that they're more active, that they're more athletic, uh, that they're quicker, and they're attacking. And that Leonard Williams, freshman, now that they've decided he's going to play both tackle spots, uh, you know, can really be in the rotation a lot more. And that can extend the rotation better. And I, I think Christian Hayward is, you know, is helping him in there. So I know a lot of people are worried because of size, and because of experience, uh, how are they going to handle the power run game right at them? I think they're going to – they may surprise a lot of people. This going to be interesting. I think keep an eye on, you know, how these you know, how these fairly young, fairly inexperienced, and, and not real big guys play the run. I think it's going to be uh, – might be really uh, fun to watch. It was fun to watch last night as long as you weren't the offense. <laughs> All right, Dan. Well, great stuff. Uh, glad we could pick your brain a little bit on what happened at that USC scrimmage. Only a couple of weeks away from the start of the season. It is unbelievable. Can't can't tell you how many fans keep emailing and writing and about tweeting about how excited they are for the start of the football season. So we'll we'll keep in touch with you, Dan. And thanks again for coming on the show. I enjoyed it very much. Uh, good timing, and uh, we got another uh, kind of amazing. Uh, you go back to practice today. They open the McKay Center tomorrow. Uh, it's just uh, you know, one thing after another, uh, no days off, uh, right, right straight on through until uh, they start, you know, start class. So uh, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of a whirlwind. Interesting. Certainly is. All right. Well, everyone, thank you very much for tuning into the Peristyle Podcast. We'll be back again next week, which will be a preview week because a game will be coming up following that podcast, preview in USC versus Hawaii. Stay tuned for that. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.